0: Check, check. There we go. All right. I have to change worship leader hat and put on my preacher hat now. So, um, good morning. Good morning. I'm going set that somewhere else. Uh, it is so good to be here with you this morning. Um, I don't feel like I've been able to preach here a ton. Um, and so I'm always excited when I get the chance to um, be able to just show you what the Lord's been laying on my heart, teaching me. Um, And and I'm really excited uh, about this morning. Um, We have uh, all morning been talking about this, been singing about this. This morning we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, we have to turn to our passage for today, which is in Acts chapter 2, which is the day of Pentecost. Before we get into that, I have a question for you. I'd like to ask, what would you do if Jesus walked through that door right now? That's a good response. Fall on your knees. Yeah, I think, I think that's good, right? I always have to pause for a moment just in case he feels like coming in, you know, like if he wants to show up. How cool would that be for me to point and it happened? Um, anyway, we, there, there's a lot of response, right? Fall on our knees, right? Worship. Go to him and just and cry, right? And, and just tears of joy, right? Or maybe even tears of, of sadness saying, God, I can't believe I've withheld from you, right? Take me however you'd like, right? Use me however you'd like, right? I think there would be immediate revival, right? I think think that's safe to say, right? If Jesus Christ walked through our church doors today, I think everything would change. And that got me to thinking, right? That got me to thinking, why? Why would it change? What What about Jesus being here would change things? his presence, right? He would be here with us in this place. And let me tell you, church, I've been studying um, through the book of John. We're we're going through the book of John, the gospel of John uh, with our students. We finally actually finished the Old Testament. It's crazy. We got bogged down for a little bit in Leviticus, but we made it through and we are now in the gospel of John and we're so excited to be studying the life of Jesus. But in John chapter 16, verse 7, I have this verse that just caught my attention, and it got me asking, huh, is my perspective a right perspective about this, right? Is my perspective right about the way I participate in church, right? For me, it's my job, so I really got to get it right. But no, I think there's a truth for us this morning found in this verse. Check this out. John chapter 16, verse 7, says, Nevertheless. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay, what do we see here? We we see Jesus speaking to his 12 disciples, right, about his coming death and resurrection, right? And can you imagine what this scene is like? I mean, at this point, they have been together for some time, right? Jesus has spent every day with these men. I don't know if you've ever experienced um, uh, uh, a situation, maybe it's a job or something like that, uh, where you're working closely with people for an extended period of time. Either you love them or you hate them, right? You, you quickly kind of find that out and, and you, you, you find your people, right? These are Jesus' people, right? This These are Jesus' friends, right? I think a lot of times we think so seriously about the personhood of Jesus, right? We think of something so solemn and holy, and of course he is holy and all these things, right? But he was fully man, right? He was fully God and fully man. You know, I think the disciples and Jesus cut up. I think they had fun, you know? I think they had a blast. And so these people were close. These people were close to Jesus, and so here we see him talking about his death. How do you think that conversation's going to go, right? No, Lord, don't say that. Don't, Jesus, don't, don't be talking like that, right? We don't want you to go away. But what is his answer there? It is to your advantage that I go away. That's wild. It is to our advantage that Jesus go to heaven and be apart from us. Why? It's because if he does not go away... The helper will not come to us, but if I go, I will send him to you. What is Jesus saying there? It's to your advantage to have the Holy Spirit. Wow. Rather than the physical presence of Jesus Christ being in this building right now, it's to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit. So why, you can see where I'm going with this, why don't we act like it? Right? Right? And this is me beating myself in the, the head with this because I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, man, I'm not living like this, right? And so this is why I'm so excited. I'm jazzed up. You can see me walking all over the stage. I'm jazzed up this morning because I'm excited because I think I've stumbled upon something that the, the Holy Spirit has convicted in me that I think is going to move us, all right? It's going to move us to action. And you know what? I think it's going to bring revival. I believe it. I believe it will bring revival. We said revival would come if Jesus walked through that door. Well, John 16 Verse 7 says it's to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit. This is what I know. We have the Holy Spirit. Amen. So where's the revival? Let's bring it on, right? I'm so excited for this. We're going to jump into our main passage here in just a second. We see in John fourteen three that he goes to what? Prepare a place for us, right? And as he's preparing a place for us, he has sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be with us, to dwell within us, right? Even greater than his own physical presence in, our, uh, in this room is the Holy Spirit within us. And here's where I think the American church is, okay? And this is, this is my perspective. I think there's a lot of ministry, and I think there's a lot of churches, and I think there's a lot of pastors, and I think there's a lot of leaders, and I think there's a lot of church members who are operating without the Holy Spirit. And I believe you can do great and wonderful things without the Holy Spirit's power in your life. But you know what? It's never going to be what it could be without the Holy Spirit, right? We can do amazing things, right? Humans are capable of amazing, wonderful things. I hear about some of the things that, that, uh, that uh, some celebrities are doing, you know, giving to, to those in need, and, and they, they don't love Jesus, right? They have no part of Jesus, right? But they're loving people, right? And that's a good thing. But it's not powered by the Holy Spirit of God, right? And how vain are we to assume that we know the right way to do things, right? How vain are we to assume that we're doing all we can without the power of the Holy Spirit, right? To do so is to put ourselves higher than the authority of Jesus. And so I think this is where we are in the American church and just in the, the Christian church as a whole, largely. And this isn't just a criticism of just our church or any. ...any particular church, I think all churches are suffering from a deficit of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe that's why we don't see Him moving. Amen. And So we're going to jump in this morning to Acts chapter 2. But before we get there, this is the second introductory verse. I'd like to take a look at Jesus' last instructions to His people, to His disciples... Right? Um, which is to us, his last two final instructions that he gives us before he ascends into heaven. Let's pick up reading in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says in Acts 1, 1, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus had, had begun to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but now you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Okay, so let's just camp out there for just a second and look at what's going on here. Um, It's so interesting to me that Jesus does this because what he he's ascending into heaven and he asks them what this direction here is what he says. I want you to wait and stay right to stay and wait. And that's kind of different, right? That's kind of different. And I thought about it. I, I started to think about it and I was wondering why. Why would he wait? Why would he wait? on this. You see many times I think we you and I get ahead of ourselves. And we have every intention of of living for the Lord and doing right for the Lord, but we get ahead of ourselves. We have an idea about God wants us what God wants us to do and then we take it into our own hands and just run with it. I'm I'm so guilty of that. I can't tell you how many times I have this idea and I'm like, "Yes, this is it. I'm a, I'm a go guy." <laughs> like I'm an action dude. Like I'm always working something um like, it's crazy. My latest one is, like, we need to have a Christchurch boat. We, we're going to find a boat, and we're going to find this old junk boat, and we're going to fix it up. I'm going to get my high school boys. We're going to fix it up, and we're going to have a boat, and that way we can go to, like, I'm always coming up with some, I mean, you just ask Chris. I go in his office just about every day. Shown him, like, a Facebook marketplace. Listen, I'm like, look at this. What about, check that out. How about, what if we have a, you know. Um, I had this idea one time. This is crazy and totally off topic, but I had this one time. I'm like, what if the church built a water park? Right? I mean, what other churches do in that? You, all the proceeds can go towards the ministries and all that. And I was like, we, we should do it. But anyway, so I'm a go guy. Like, I'll get this idea and I'll go. I'm not good at the waiting. I am not good at the waiting. But here's the deal. I believe Jesus asks his disciples to wait for a purpose. And I believe he would like us to wait for a purpose. You see, we are imperfect and prone to mishandle the plans of God. That's just the truth. Adam and Eve had one rule. What did they do? They broke it, right? I mean, one job, and they broke it. So how much more are we able to go and break all the laws of God, right, and miss out on what God would have had us to do, right? We just miss that because we're not walking in the Spirit. This is why Jesus instructs his followers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, we will be aligned to the will of God and therefore be able to accomplish the plans of God. Amen? Aligned with the will of God and able to accomplish the plans of God. Listen to how uh, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we will be taught all things. And furthermore, he will remind us on how to please God. You see, that's what makes the Holy Spirit so unique, so special, right? He is in all of us, right? If Jesus were here in this sanctuary, he couldn't be in, uh, well, he can be all places at once, right? He's omnipresent. But him physically here as a man, he can't be with all of us all the time, right? And so, no, he sent his spirit To dwell in all of us so so that we all have that guidance. So we have that thing prompting us, convicting us, guiding us, teaching us to direct us towards the goal at hand, right? Which, what is our goal, by the way? What is is the goal that Jesus gives? He gives a second instruction to us, right? We see it at the end of chapter 28 in the book of Matthew, right? The Great Commission, which is to go and make Disciples, right? So we have the plan, right? And a lot of times when we, when we get one part of the plan, we just go, right? But he wants us to wait on the Spirit to accomplish the great plan that he has for us. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 2.14 says. It says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. You know what that tells me is that without the spirit we misunderstand the plan. We misunderstand the plan. We fumble the play. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we seriously cripple our ability to minister to others. Without the spirit, we inhibit our own selves. And so we see this, we see wait. And I think there's two kind of types of waiting that problems that we we have when we when we wait either you're like me and you just go without you know waiting on the spirit and you're just like oh idea let's do it or we get so stuck in the waiting period that we don't do anything right and i think here's the key i think this is the key we're going to flip over to acts chapter 2 and pick up there in verse 1 acts chapter 2 verse 1 says and when the day of pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place. We're just going to stop there because uh, I think there's some important things to pick up here in this verse. The first thing I see is that the, um, the apostles were all in one accord, right? Hondas were real popular back then in early church history. Uh, that joke didn't work in Arlington either. So, um, But no, they were all together in one accord. What does that mean? They were in unity, right? They were together. They were in one place in unity, and I think that's important. I think those little details that are thrown into Scripture are so important. We see gaps in Scripture sometimes where there's hundreds of years where nothing is written or recorded, right? And yet we have this tiny word put in there, in one accord, or this tiny phrase put in there, one accord. That's important. That was put in there for a reason, and I think the reason is, is because you have to be in unity as a church to be able to to pursue the goal, right? We all got to have the same goal. If we're going two different directions, we're going to tear apart, Amen. right? I mean, when's the last time you were truly in one accord with someone, truly in unity with someone? I think, I mean, I mean, it's a hard thing to do. I think about the students. Oftentimes after Sunday, I'll go to lunch with the high school kids and uh, and I'm telling you, um, we'll stay in the lobby for about 30 minutes and I'm like, well, what about what about uh, this place? Oh, well, I had that place last night. Oh, okay, well, How about this? Well, I really want this. Well, that makes me absolutely sick. You know, like, and it's like, we can't get together. And that's a lunch plan, right? That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. I mean, how many of us, you know, feel the temperature sometimes we're like, oh, I wish they'd turn up the temperature, right? Or man, we got to change the carpets or we got to do all these things, right? We've all heard this, right? I was a worship pastor before I came here to this church. And oh my gosh, that was trial by fire because I would have two members come up to me after church and they'd say, we got to do that song more often. I loved it. And another person would say, that is Herod heretics. You know, that, that is heretical. And I'm like, I, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll uh, I, I'm gonna have to go above my pay grade for that question. But anyway, uh, it's hard to be in unity with each other, but it's so important. Listen to what Psalm 133 verse 1 says. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Amen. It is a good and powerful thing. Paul, the great church builder of the New Testament, wrote something about unity in just about every single book. Check it out. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there will be no divisions among you, but that you be united and in the same mind and same judgment. Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in one accord, in one mind, Colossians 3.14, and above all these things, put on love, which binds together binds everything together in perfect harmony. Ephesians 4.3, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You see, there's something crucial about unity. Paul understood that, and he made it so important to send that to all the churches. So what do I see? As we wait, we have to get together in one accord. We have to be in one uh, mindset, right, towards one Common goal in church. That's possible. I believe it's possible. Here's what we got to do: we got to put aside our personal differences and the things that distract our own mind from the will of God, and put the will of God at the top of the list. When we all do that, we'll come together in one accord and wait on the Spirit in a healthy manner. That's the kind of church uh, that God can use is one that's together in one. Accord, that's what God's will is for our church. And I believe it. it can happen. I believe it. Come together in one accord. Next I see they were simply gathered together, right? They were gathered together and in one accord. They, were, they had the same uh, uh, desire, right, to be in one accord in unity pursuing the goal that God had for them. But they also were gathered together. And I think that's important because you know what that tells me? is that they were seeking, right? They weren't just hanging out at home waiting for it just to spontaneous happen. They were seeking that. They were gathered together seeking the Spirit. And that's the second, the second thing I see here is as we wait, we have to come together in unity and we have to seek together. We wait and we seek the Lord. If we want to see the Holy Spirit move in us, we have to wait and seek, and as we wait, we wait and seek in unity. That's when the spirit will come to us because here we go. we're finally getting into our main I took that from randy where i I preamble all this stuff, and then we hop into the uh the meat um right at the end, but uh we're gonna hop into uh Acts chapter two, and we're going to jump right in um you know what we're just gonna hit verse uh one there. Uh, It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'll pause there for a second. So what, what do we see, right? We see the Holy Spirit descend and take place in the people of God, right? He falls in this place, and we see them begin to speak in other languages, and it goes on in verse 5 to say, Now their dwelling in Jerusalem were Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of this multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing their own language. Wow. That is so, so cool to me. So just pause here for a second. We're going to look at this. What have we seen? The Spirit of God has fallen, and now they have the authority to move forward in what? Make disciples. To go and make disciples. You see, the Spirit has fallen, given them spiritual authority, the authority of Jesus to go and make disciples. And you know how it's not in their own power? They're not even speaking their own language. They don't even know what the heck is going on, right? They, the Spirit falls and gives them this Miraculous ability to go and spread the gospel, and it's so incredible, right? And and I love what I love about the way God does this is it's so incredibly practical. And you might be saying, like, they're speaking differently. There's fire, tongues of fire. What how is this practical? Check this out, because this blew my mind, all right. This is the history major in me kind of coming out because I was doing some historical research. What is interesting about the day of Pentecost, when we think about the day of Pentecost, we think about this story, right? However, that day was significant in Jewish history, looking back to the Feast of the First Fruits, right? The Feast of the First Fruits and the Feast of Weeks. Um, and what's incredible about this is this is one of the most highly attended Jewish feasts of the whole year. Because the weather was good, and it called all people to come together in one place. This is, this is crazy, right? This is happening um, uh, roughly 50 days after Passover, Right? This is what's so cool to me. Okay, so this is 50 days after Passover. What does Passover signify? It's, it's the sacrifice, right? It's the blood of the lamb over the post protecting the people of God. Looking and pointing at who? Jesus, right? The sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we see this uh, mapped out in, his, in all this prophecy pointing towards Jesus. Passover pointed to Jesus' sacrifice. And what's so cool is that 50 days after that, you see God bringing the people in, and then you see on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit falling and what? The gospel is shared. The gospel is preached. God knew what he was doing, y'all. He knows what he's doing. He came and brought all these people together and then gave his followers, the Holy Spirit, the authority and the ability to go share the gospel with all of those people. And that's so, so Incredible. What's so cool as well is, is uh, Passover pointed to the sacrifice of Christ. Pentecost represented the coming of the law. After the sacrifice of Christ made on the cross, a new law was given, right? So, and that's another thing. I, I totally even skipped over my notes on that part. But the, the, the uh, Feast of, of fruits was all about the law. The law being given to the people of Israel. And what is amazing about that connection is the connection between the law and Christ, right? Christ did not come to abolish the law, right? He didn't come to say we're done we're we're done with this. Don't don't worry about it. Whatever. It says he came to fulfill the law, and in his fulfillment, he both met the standard of the law and also made the payment for failure to complete the law, right? Which in so doing gave him authority to pardon sins and also paid for our sins, right? That's the incredible thing about Jesus' sacrifice. But check this out. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin in death. You know how perfectly this all matches up, right? You see the Spirit coming, and you see the new law in the Spirit and the freedom of Christ poured out on the church in this moment. And it all just perfectly together to where they go out and they share the gospel, they live out the Great Commission, and they make disciples. You see, where the old law spoke death, the new law speaks life. The difference is that we live in a fulfilled law. We live in the shadow of the fulfillment of Jesus Christ in obliging every command of the law. You and I have hope because of the law of the Spirit. That is our message. That is the exact same message that they preached on Pentecost, that we'll see. People from all over the world were present in town that day. God is thinking on a grand scale, and that's incredible. If you need a kind of refresher on, on your faith, just look at the intricacies of what God's doing here, because when God does this, the gospel is spread to all the nations. We see a list of the nations that, that were in attendance, Parthians, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya beginning to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes. Like, all these people are here, and they're hearing the gospel, and they're going home, and they're sharing what they've heard, right? God is working on a grand scale. And I love this. God kind of put this on my heart when I was reading this, because, you know, there tends to be a, a kind of scale of things as far as the Holy Spirit goes of, like, you have the, you know, super conservative of just, like, um, that was given for a time for the early church, and then you have the other side that's just like we gotta speak in tongues every day and all that. And and I think um, this is the this is the middle ground that I think God uses. God uses miraculous things to accomplish practical things. Right? God uses miraculous things to accomplish practical things. He made these people speak in other languages. Right? That's miraculous for the practical application of them hearing the gospel. Right? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I get to be a part of these miraculous things. Church, I believe that the same Holy Spirit that lived in this day lives in you and me. I believe that. And I believe He is willing, able, and ready to move in a big way. But it requires something of us, it requires surrender. It requires a total surrender of will. I love Romans chapter 12, verse 1, which calls us to become living sacrifices, right? Holy and set apart for the Lord. This is our reasonable act of worship. It involves submission. It involves waiting on the Spirit, waiting on the Lord, seeking the Lord, coming together in unity. And then this is the result that I see given here, is that, when we dwell in the Spirit, it allows us and moves us to share Jesus confidently. My last point this morning is that living in the Spirit requires us to share Jesus confidently. It moves us to do that. Because the truth is, is that when you and I come in contact with the Spirit, we have no choice but to go because we are overwhelmed by the goodness of God, and it moves us to action. I love that. Pick up in in Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Just want to read just a a little bit here um, of of, uh, Peter's testimony that he gives. This sermon says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that one day one of his descendants would be on the throne forever. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ that he Uh, was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we were all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out on you, so that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know that a certain... For certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. Right? Same guy. And yet here we see him not only speaking boldly the truth, but calling them out, saying you crucified him. This is what the Holy Spirit moves us to do. It gives us a supernatural boldness because, again, we're not speaking... In our own strength. We're not acting in our own strength. We are moving through the power of the Holy Spirit. It moves us to actions. And I love what it says in verse 41. It says, so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's incredible. That is incredible. Can you imagine... If God did that today, can you imagine? I mean, doesn't your heart just long for that, for the Spirit to be poured out and and for people just to come crying to the altar and say, Lord, I trust you, I know I'm a sinner, but I trust in your grace. How incredible would that be? So what's stopping us? What's holding us back? from experiencing that. Is, are we serving a different God than, than there was in that day? Is it a different spirit? Has he gone away? Is he asleep? He's not. You see, the problem lies within you and me. Lies within, within you and me. God is willing, ready, able to move. Guys, this world needs the movement of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. There's hurt, there's brokenness sin is rampant and you know what i'm sorry but angry messages on facebook isn't going to help it your stance on on certain political things aren't going to bring people to the altar Amen. you know what brings people to the altar the holy spirit working through you and me and church i believe the day is today for him to move in our hearts to convict us of our sin so we get out of the way so he can move through us. The time for revival is here. It is now. He is ready. Amen? We, we, I mean, I'm just charged up. I'm reading this and I'm saying, you know what? God did this before and he can do it again. So let's do it. Let's move. Let's let's get active. Seeking. Waiting on the Holy Spirit. Seeking him. Not just waiting for, for, for God to just Drop a chance of wow, wow worship was just right and and the message was you know this and all that not waiting on a coincidence but seeking waiting and seeking the spirit day in day out removing our own inhibitions and surrendering to the will of Christ I know we're're we're, we're running along but I'm not sure where you are with your walking with Christ I'm not sure exactly where you are maybe uh, this all sounds super weird to you. Maybe you're still trying to picture what a tongue of fire looks like. I understand. I still can't imagine exactly how it is. Maybe you're searching for answers. Maybe some of this is resonating. And you're like, is this, is this real? Maybe you're looking. You're looking and, and trying to find the answers for healing or for comfort. Maybe this message brought up some memories of, of a time where the Lord was working and active in your life, right? Where the Holy Spirit was undoubtedly moving in your heart. That's what it's been doing for me. It's, it's been God reminding me of his faithfulness, showing how he's moved in my life. Wherever you are and whoever you are, God is ready to pour his spirit on you. Amen. He's ready to give you the comfort you so badly... The, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's ready to give you the comfort you so badly Need the healing that you've been begging and pleading for. He's ready to give you the answers you've been searching for all along. I truly, honestly believe that. I believe that this morning that God can do all of those things. I do. I believe it. I've seen him do it in Scripture, and I believe he can do it now. And so what I invite you to do is, as we kind of come to a a close this morning is we're going to sing one last hymn together. And I'd like this to be a time of of surrender. And and just now, even now, I'd like us all to kind of close our eyes and just begin to pray. Wherever we are and invite the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, to convict us. That we would put away things that are distracting us. That we would simply be focused on Christ. Christ. that we'd invite him to take control, that we'd invite him to bring revival, bring healing, that in our church, we would begin to seek, that we would begin to wait and seek and come together in unity for the purpose of the the gospel, for the purpose of Jesus coming in this place and, and filling us so that, we don't have to say that if Jesus were to walk through the door, that everything would be totally different. Because we're living like he's here, right? We're just saying that Jesus was here moving in our midst. But so often we don't worship like it. We don't pray like it. We don't do church like Jesus is here with us. But he is, church. I, I promise you that. And so I invite you as we begin to to sing and, and, and close in this worship hymn that you would surrender your heart to the authority of Christ and that you'd begin to move and bring change and that Christ church would be a place of revival that you would bring, that Jesus, you'd bring change in this place, a miraculous change that only can be explained by your power. Jesus, I ask that as we sing, you'd be glorified in this place, that you would move. That your people would come together, pray for each other, your spirit would be poured out. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?